Hey everyone. So this is it. This is the last chapter of the Battle of the Labyrinth. You get it? There are twenty chapters, and this is the last one. It, it was an amazing story. It was an amazing one for real. God, I mean. <clears throat> I mean, I have the contents open in front of me, and I'm just, I mean, there were a lot of part one and part twos in this series, so, and there were a lot of stories, there were a lot of events, a lot of stories. Yes, let's just begin. The rest of the summer seemed strange because it was so normal. The daily activities continued, archery, rock climbing, Pegasus riding. We played capture the flag, though we all avoided Zeus's fist. We sang at the campfire and raced chariots and played practical jokes on other cabins. I spent a lot of time with Tyson, playing with Mrs. O'Leary, but she would still howl at night when she got lonely for her old master. Annabelle and I pretty much scored around each other. I was glad to be with her, but it also kind of hurt. And it hurt when I wasn't with her, too. I wanted to talk to her about Kronos, but I couldn't do that anymore without bringing up Luke, and that was one subject I couldn't raise. She would shut me out every time I tried. July passed. With fireworks on the beach on the 4th of July, August turned so hot the, strawberry, the strawberries started baking in the fields. Finally, the last day of camp arrived. The standard form letter appeared on my bed after breakfast, warning me that the cleaning harpies would devour me if I stayed past noon. At 10 o'clock, I stood at the top of Hoplet Hill, waiting for the camp van that would take me into the city. I'd made arrangements to leave Mrs. O'Leary at camp, where Chiron promised she'd be looked after. Tassel and I would take turns visiting her during the year. I hoped Annabeth would be riding into Manhattan with me, but she only came to see me off. She said she'd arrange to stay at camp a little longer. She would tend to Chiron until his leg was fully recovered and keep studying Daedalus's laptop, which had engrossed her for the past two months. Then she would head back to her father's place in San Francisco. It's a private school out there that I'd, I'll be going to, she said. I'll probably hate it. She shrugged. Yeah, well, call me, okay? Sure. She said half-heartedly. I'll keep my eyes open for... And there it was again. Luke. She couldn't even say his name without opening up a huge box of hurt and worry and anger. Annabelle? What was the rest of the prophecy? She fixed her eyes on the words in the distance, but she didn't say anything. You shall delve in the darkness of the endless maze, I remembered. The dead, the traitor, and the lost wanderers. We raised a lot of dead. We saved Ethan Nakamura, who turned out to be a traitor. We raised the spirit of Pan, the lost one. Annabeth shook her head like she wanted me to stop. You shall rise or fall by the ghost king's hand, I pressed on. It wasn't an ass like I thought. It was Nico. By choosing to be on our side, he saved us. 
and the child of Daedalus' final stand, that was Daedalus. This, I'm sorry, the child of Athena's final stand, that was Daedalus. Destroy with the hero's final breath. That makes sense now. Daedalus died to destroy the labyrinth, but what was the last? And lose a love to worse than death. Annabeth had tears in her eyes. That was the last line, Percy. Are you happy now? The sun seemed colder than it had a moment ago. Oh. So, Luke. Percy, I didn't know who the prophecy was talking about. I didn't know if... She faltered hopelessly. Luke and I... For years, he was the only one who really cared about me. I thought before she'd kind of sparkle of light appear next to us, like someone had opened a gold curtain in the air. You have nothing to apologize for, my dear. Standing on the hill was a tall woman in a, black, in a white dress, her dark hair braided over her shoulder. Hera, Annabeth said. The goddess smiled. You found the answers, as I knew you would. Your quest was a success. A success? Luke is gone. Deadless is dead. Pan is dead. How is that? Our family is safe? Hira insisted. Those others are better gone, my dear. I'm so proud of you. I balled my fist. I couldn't believe she was saying this. You're the one who paid carry-on to let us through the ranch, weren't you? Hira shrugged, her dress shimmered in rainbow colors. I want to speed you on your way. But you didn't care about Nico. You were happy to see him turned over to the Titans. Oh, please. Hira waved her hand dismissively. The son of Hades said it himself. No one wants him around. He does not belong. Hephaestus was right, I growled. You only care about your perfect family, not real people. Her eyes turned dangerously bright. Watch yourself, son of Poseidon. I guided you more than you know in the maze. I was at your side when you faced Garyon. I let your arrow fly straight. I sent you to Calypso's island. I opened the way to the Titan's mountain. Amit, my dear, surely you see how I've helped you. I wouldn't welcome I would welcome a sacrifice for my efforts. Annabeth stood still as a statue. She could have said thank you. She could have promised to throw some barbecue on the brazier for here and forget the whole thing. But she clenched her jaw stubbornly. She looked just the way she had when she'd faced the Sphinx. That she wasn't going to accept an easy answer, even if it got her in serious trouble. I realized that was one of the things I liked best about Annabelle. Pussy is right. She turned her back on the goddess. You're the one who doesn't belong, Queen Hera. So next time, thanks. But no thanks. Hero's sneer was worse than Lampazar's. Her form began to glow. You will regret this insult, Annabeth. You will regret this very much. I averted my eyes as the goddess turned into her true divine form and disappeared in a blaze of light. The hilltop was peaceful again. Over at the pine trees, Peleus the dragon dozed under the golden fleece as if nothing had happened. I'm sorry. Annabeth told me, I, I should get back. I'll keep in touch. Listen, Annabeth. I thought about Mount St. Helens, Calypso's Island, Luke and Rachel Elizabeth. There. 
and how suddenly everything had gotten so complicated. I wanted to tell Anna, but that I didn't really want to be so distant from her. And August honked his horn down at the road, and I lost my chance. You better get going. Take care, Seward Grange. She jogged down the hill. I watched her until she reached the cabins. She didn't, didn't look back once. Two days later, it was my birthday. I never advertised the date because it always fell right after camps and none of my camp friends could usually come, so I didn't have that many model friends besides. Getting older didn't seem like anything to celebrate since I'd had the big prophecy about me destroying or saving the world when I turned 16. Now, I was turning 15 and I was running out of time. My mom threw me a small party at her apartment. Paul Bluffus came over. That was okay because Kyron had manipulated the mist to, to convince everyone at Good High School that I had nothing to do with the band room explosion. Now, Paul and the other witnesses were convinced that Kelly had been a crazy, firebomb-throwing cheerleader, while I had simply been an innocent bystander who had panicked and ran from the scene. I would still be allowed to start as a freshman and good next month if I wanted to keep my record of getting kicked out of every school year. I'd have to try harder. Tyson came to my party too, and my mother baked two extra blue cakes just for him. While Tyson helped my mom blow up party balloons, Paul Bluffus asked me to help him in the kitchen. <clears throat> as we were pouring punch, he said, I hear your mom signed you up for driver's ed this fall. Yeah, it's cool, I can't wait. Seriously, I'd been excited about getting my license forever, but I guess my heart wasn't in it anymore. And Paul could tell, in a weird way, he reminded me of Chiron sometimes. How he could look at you and actually see your thoughts. I guess it was just a teacher's aura. You've had a rough summer, I said. He said. I'm guessing you lost someone important and girl trouble. I stared at him. How do you know that? Did my mom? He held up his hands. Your mom hasn't said a thing and I won't try. I just know there's something unusual about you, Percy. You've got a lot going on that I can't figure out. But I was also 15 once and I'm just guessing from your expression, well, you've had a long rough time. I nodded. I promised my mom I would tell Paul the truth about me, but now didn't seem the time. Not yet. I lost a couple of friends at this camp I go to, I said. I mean, not close friends, but still. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I guess the cool stuff. Here, Paul handed me some punch. To your 15th birthday and to a better year to come. We tapped your paper cups together and drank. Percy, I kind of feel bad giving you one more thing to think about, Paul said, but I wanted to ask you something. Yeah? Girl stuff. I frowned. What do you mean? Your mom, Paul said. I'm thinking about proposing to her. I almost dropped my cup. You mean marrying her? You and her? Well, that was a general idea. Would that be okay with you? You're asking my permission? Paul scratched his beard. I don't know if it's permission so much, but she's a mother. And I know you're gonna through, going through a lot. I wouldn't feel right if I didn't talk to you about it first, man to man. Man to man? I repeated. It sounds strange saying that. I thought about Paul and my mom. 
how she smiled and laughed more whenever he was around, and how Paul had gone out of his way to get me into high school. I found myself saying, you think that's a great idea, Paul? Go for it. He smiled really wide then. Cheers, Percy. Let's join the party. I was just getting ready to blow out the candles when the doorbell rang. My mother frowned. Look at that big. It was weird because a new building had a doorman, but he hadn't called up or anything. My mom opened the door and gasped. It was my dad. He was wearing Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and Birkenstocks, like he usually does. His black beard was neatly trimmed and his sea green eyes twinkled. He wore a battered cap decorated with fishing lures. It said, Neptune's lucky fishing hat. My mother stopped herself. She was blushing right to the roots of her hair. Um, hello. Hello, Sally. Poseidon said, you look as beautiful as ever. May I come in? My mother made a squeaking sound that might have been either yes or help. Poseidon took it as a yes and came in. Paul was looking back and forth between us, trying to read her expressions. Finally, he stepped forward. Hi, I'm Paul Bluffus. Poseidon raised his eyebrows as they shook hands. Blowfish, did you, sir? Ah, no, blowfish, actually. Oh, I see, Poseidon said. Shame, I quite like blowfish. I am Poseidon. Poseidon? That's an interesting name. Yes, I like it. I've gone by other names, but I do prefer Poseidon. Like the god of the sea. Very much like that, yes. Well, my mom interrupted. I'm just so glad you could drop by, Paul. This is Percy's father. Ah, Paul nodded, though he didn't look very pleased. I see. Poseidon smiled at me. There you are, my boy. I'm Tyson. Hello, son. Daddy! Tyson bounded across the room and gave Poseidon a big hug, which almost knocked off his fishing hat. Paul's jaw dropped. He stared at my mom. Tyson is... Not mine, she promised. It's a long story. I couldn't miss Percy's 15th birthday, Poseidon said. Why, if this was Sparta, Percy would be a man today. That's true, Paul said. I used to teach ancient history. Poseidon's eyes twinkle. That's me, ancient history. Sally, Paul, Tyson. Would you mind if I borrow Percy for just a moment? He put his arm around me and steered me to the kitchen. Once we were alone, his smile faded. Are you all right, my boy? Yeah, I'm fine, I guess. I heard stories, Poseidon said, but I wanted to hear it directly from you. Tell me everything. So I did. It was kind of disconcerting because Poseidon listened so intently, his eyes never left my face. His expression didn't change the whole time I talked. When I was done, he nodded slowly. So Kronos is indeed back. It will not be long before the full war is upon us. What about Luke? I asked. Is he really gone? I don't know, Percy. It is most disturbing. But his body is mortal. Couldn't he just destroy him? Poseidon looked troubled. Mortal, perhaps. But there is something different about Luke, my boy. I don't know how he was prepared to host the Titan's soul, but he will not easily killed, and yet I fear he must be killed if we are to send Kronos back to the pit. I will have a think on this. Unfortunately, I have other problems of my own. I remember what Tyson had told me at the beginning of the summer. The old sea gods? Indeed. 
The battle came first to me, Percy. In fact, I cannot stay long. Even now the ocean is at war with itself. It is all I can do to keep hurricanes and typhoons from destroying your surface world. The fighting is so intense. Let me come down there, I said. Let me help. Poseidon's eyes crinkled as he smiled. Not yet, my boy. I sense you will be needed here. Which reminds me, he brought a sand dollar and pressed it into my hand. Your birthday present. Spend it wisely. Uh, spend a sand dollar? Oh yes, in my day, you could buy quite a lot with a sand dollar. I think you will find it still buys quite a lot, if used in the right situation. What situation? When the time comes, Poseidon said, I'll think you'll know. I closed my hand around the sand dollar, but something was really bothering me. Dad, when I was in the maze, I, made, I met Antaeus. He said, well, he said he was a favorite son. He decorated his arena with skulls and he dedicated them to me because I didn't supply them. And you're wondering how someone could do something so horrible in my name. I nodded uncomfortably. Poseidon put his weathered hand on my shoulder. Percy, lesser beings do many things in the name of the gods. That doesn't mean we gods approve. The way our sons and daughters act in our names, well, it usually says more about them than it does about us. And you, Percy, are my favorite son. He smiled, and at that moment, just being in the kitchen with him was the best birthday present I ever got. Then my mom called out from the living room. Percy, the candles are melting. You better go, Poseidon said. But Percy, one last thing you should know. The incident in Mount St. Helens. For a second I thought he was talking about Annabeth kissing me and I blushed. But then I realized he was talking about something a lot bigger. The eruptions are continuing, he said. Typhon is stirring. It is very likely that soon in a few months, perhaps a year at best, he'll escape his bonds. I'm sorry, I said. I didn't mean Poseidon raised his hand. It's not your fault, Percy. It would have happened sooner or later with Kronos awakening the ancient monsters. But we be aware. If Tyson stirs, it will be unlike anything you have faced before. The first time he appeared, all the forces of Olympus were barely enough to battle him. And when he stirs again, he will come here to New York. He will make straight for Olympus. That was the kind of wonderful news I wanted to get on my birthday, but Sam patted me on the back like everything was fine. I should go. Enjoy your cake. And just like that, he turned to mist and was swept out of the window on a warm ocean breeze. <clears throat> it took a little work to convince Paul that Poseidon had left while the fire escaped, but since people can vanish into thin hair, he had no choice but to believe it. We had blue cake and ice cream until we couldn't get any more. Eat any more. Then we played a bunch of cheesy party games like charades and Monopoly. Tyson didn't get charades. He kept shouting out the answer he was trying to mine, but he turned out he was really good at Monopoly. He knocked me out of the game in the first five rounds and started bankrupting my mom and Paul. I left them playing and went into my bedroom. I set an uneaten slice of blue cake on my dresser. Then I took off my camp hobble necklace and laid it on the windowsill. There were three beads now, representing my three summers at camp, a trident, the golden fleece, and the latest, an intricate maze, symbolizing the Battle of the Labyrinth, as the campers had started to call it. I wondered what next year's bead would be like. 
If I was still around to get it. To camp survive until next summer, I looked at the telephone by my bedside. I thought about calling Rachel Elizabeth there. My mom had asked me if there was anything anyone else I wanted to have over tonight. And I thought about Rachel, but I didn't call. I don't know why. The idea made me almost nervous as a door into the labyrinth. I patted my pockets and emptied out my stuff. Ripped tight a Kleenex, my apartment click key. Then I patted my shirt pocket and I felt a small lump. I didn't even realize it, but I was wearing the white cotton shirt Calypso had given me on a Zizia. I brought a little piece of cloth, unwrapped it, and found the clipping of moon lace. It was a tiny sprig, shriveled up after two months, but I could still smell the faint scent of the enchanted garden. It made me sad. I remembered Calypso's last request of me. Plant a garden in Manhattan for me, will you? I opened the window and stepped into the fire escape. My mom kept a planter box out there. In the spring, she usually filled it with flowers, but now it was all earth, waiting for something new. It was a clear night. The moon was over 82nd Street. I planted the dried sprig of moon lace carefully in the dirt and sprinkled a little nectar on it from my camp canteen. Nothing happened at first. Then, as I watched, tiny silver plants sprang out of the soil, a baby moon lace glowing in the warm summer night. Nice plant, a voice said. I jumped. Nicodiangelo was standing on the fire escape right next to me. He just appeared there. Sorry, didn't mean to startle you. That's okay. I mean, what are you doing here? He'd grown about an inch taller over the past couple of months. His hair was a shaggy black mess. He wore a black t-shirt, black jeans, and a new silver ring shaped like a skull. His Stygian iron sword hung at his side. I've done some, some exploring, he said. Thought you'd like to know that Daedalus got his punishment. You saw him? Nico nodded. When I was wanted to boil him in cheese font for eternity, but my father had other ideas. Daedalus will be building overpasses and exit ramps and asphodel for all time. It'll help ease the traffic congestion. Truthfully, I think the old guy's pretty happy with that. He's still building, still creating, and he gets to see his son and predicts on the weekends. That's good. Nico tapped his silver ring. That's not the real reason I've come. I've found out some things. I want to make you an offer. What? The way to beat Luke, he said. If I'm right, it's the only way you'll stand a chance. I took a deep breath. Okay, I'm listening. Nico glanced inside my room. His eyes, eyebrows furrowed. Is that, is that blue birthday cake? He sounded hungry, maybe a little wistful. I wondered if the poor kid had ever had a birthday party or if he'd ever been invited to one. Come inside for cake and ice cream. I said, it sounds like we've got a lot to talk about. That's the end of the book. It was, uh, it was a roller coaster. This book is a roller coaster. And even the next one. I mean, there are so many things happening, like, one after the other. It makes you, like, lose your focus. I mean, this, like, happened, like, New York, Camp Poplar, Long Island, like, and then we went to California, then into the cave where Pan died. We just roamed around the lot, didn't we? We went to Zizia, 
bell. So, we meet again next Sunday on the Percy Jackson podcast, but the first chapter of the last Olympian. Thank you for listening.